going to PAX West was quite the experience. I mean, it was everything that PAX East was, and I had the privilege of going to that back in March, but actually being on a panel at PAX West was even cooler. I mean, the coolest thing about all the PAXs, well, I've only been to two, but anyways, <laughs> is the dedicated programming for diversity and inclusion. And so with this specific panel, I was able to join Latinx in Gaming uh, for a panel called Latinx in Gaming, building community so shout out to kate sanchez by the way from but the but why though geek community and she recorded the whole thing and she was actually on the panel as well so i wanted to release this as an episode of race to the finish just because i want people from my hometown to see that working in games being involved with the gaming community on a more exponential level isn't doesn't have to be just a dream so shout out to all the kids out there uh, who have these dreams of being involved with games or pop culture in some way. I'll leave more information at the end of the episode and I'll leave you off with that. So I hope you enjoy the panel and I'll see you soon. Well, how y'all doing today? <laughs> Good? Y'all sound tired. But... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Shoot, shoot. Flight in yesterday was crazy. So I myself am from Cleveland, so like I'm still getting used to the time. But uh, but yeah. So welcome everyone to the Latinx in Gaming panel, uh, building community. Um, you know, it, it, you know, I'm very new to this group. You know, myself, and so um, I guess we can you know go ahead and start off with intros. Yeah. So there yeah. we go. Oh, that's me on screen. Yeah, that's Hi, I'm Kate Sanchez. I'm founder and editor-in-chief of But Why The Geek Community. We're a website that do that does uh, film, TV, gaming, pretty much anything in geek culture, pop culture. We cover it. Um, we started as a podcast. Now we're a website, and we're covering packs as well. So special shout out to uh, Corali. She's she got a little sick today. Rest so. in peace. <laughs> the PAX book got her before PAX this year, so. Press F to pay respects, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, good energy her way, uh, so she's feeling better. I think she's in good hands right now, so she's good. Um, but, yeah, um, she's a senior UX designer at Scopely, so that's how you say it. But, um, but, yeah, she was going to be here with us today, but unfortunately she's getting a little sick, so um, good energy her way. And then there's myself. My name is Carlos. Uh, I am a podcaster. So I also stream, you know, here and there. I stream Smash Bros. So if you like Smash Bros, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, Race to the Finish is basically a podcast, you know, diversity and inclusion. And so I cover, cover many, many different topics across diversity and inclusion, like race, ethnicity, uh, culture, all of that different types of stuff. And so um, that's pretty much what I do. Uh, and uh, just looking to grow at this point. So yeah, that's me. Hola, I go by Diana Moon Online, but my real name is Carmen Marin, and that's where you'll see the credits for. I think this is on. Oh, no, it's not. Hey. There we go. <laughs> so once again, I'm Diana Moon Online, or Carmen in real life. I go by either. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am a game mobile script writer. I do narrative games. I've done work for um, for queer mobile romance games and for heterosexual romance games and hopefully some more of the queer kind in the future. I've also done sensitivity reading for uh, tabletop games including Girl Underground which is a fantastic portal fantasy. If you like Spirit Away, Alice in Wonderland, um, Wizard of Oz kinds of stories, there's a tabletop game that's really fun and it explores like 
what being a being a girl really is and like growing up with the social mores of that um and i have a couple of other rpg writings that are coming up but yeah that's me Orale. Hey guys, <laughs> your favorite neighborhood tech bruja. Uh, I work now at my full ass time job <laughs> as a podcast specialist at Amazon, taking down ice from the inside. Um, when I'm not there, I'm at Geek Girl Con. Some of my Geek Girl Con ladies are here. I'm on the video team, and I'm also one of, part of the steering committee for Latinos in Tech Seattle. So check it. Nice. I'm Sarai or Sarai. Um, I am a QA tester right now uh, for Camouflage. Um, you can actually, I, I've been working on the project um, Iron Man VR. You can actually play that at PAX right now if you want to check it out. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Come to um, yes. Um, I'm currently a student for Adam BFA at DigiPen, and I also do web comics. Um, his name is Ethan, is the one I'm currently working on. Nice. So just basic, just a basic overview of what we're going to be going over. Uh, just some prevalent issues like in the community. Uh, so first thing we're going to be talking about, what is Latinx? You know, um, our community is pretty wide. And so uh, we want to kind of dive deep in, in, and kind of define that for y'all. Um, uh, second thing would be erasure, uh, something very prevalent. And then topic number three, community. You know, that's the title of the panel. So um, we're just kind of going to go in with all of that. So then what is Latinx? Uh, give me a second. Um, yeah, so pretty much that that like encompasses a lot of different things, and so um, I'll let the panelists go ahead and start before like I give my input. But yeah, if y'all want to just talk about like what is Latinx to you? Um, basically, Latinx is pretty much anyone who. And this is my personal uh, definition: is anyone who was born in Central America or is descended from people born in Central and South America. Mexico, of course, included. It is not people from Spain, like born directly from Spain. Mm. Those are Spanish people. They're Eurocentric. And um, even if we are born in America, uh, the US, like I am, we're still Latinx um, because we still grew up with some of the culture, even if some of us didn't get to grow up with the language. I follow Latinx Twitter pretty closely, and my favorite thing is if you're still saying Hispanic, you're the feds. <laughs> um, and I know that I have a lot of trans brothers and sisters, uh, as well as non-binary fam that wanted to feel included, and so um, it language evolves, and that's where I know we got it from. Um, so one thing that's really important to me is I am not a fluent Spanish speaker. I speak Spanglish at the best moments. I think I'm fluent when I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I feel like a lot of the conversations about Latinidad or even just being Latinx in general revolves around language, which a lot of the time revolves around Spanish, which erases our you know, Brazilian Latinx people, as well as those of us who have been in the US, who grew up in the US, like my family, I'm, I'm Tejanas, specifically I'm from Texas my family's kind of always been in Texas so we don't really know when that timeline starts for us um, so we mostly speak Spanish especially my generation because Spanish was looked down upon in Central Texas at the time when my mom was going to school so important for me is understanding that our Latinx identity isn't tied to any one specific idea 
And you should never feel bad if you cannot speak Spanish or Portuguese or whatever language is tied to you because that we are complex identities and we have multitudes inside us and it can't be just pinned down to one thing. So. I don't speak Spanish, <laughs> but I, I have started up again with the, the audiobooks and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, and Latinx, it, it gets a lot of pushback from uh, all sorts of people, like, you know, why are you changing the language um, and, and all that. And it is, it is um, I, I've heard it been called a English solution to a Spanish problem. Um, because it's like, how do you properly like pronounce that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but all in all, it is a way to be inclusive to our non-binary friends and um, gender non-conforming. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, at least to me, that's exactly like that. Just that last part, what you said is the most important thing, you know, but X really kind of goes against this whole like gender binary um, norm in our language, you know, the Spanish language. Uh, because it allows people like who are gender nonconforming to feel included in the language in itself. And so um, one thing I would like to add though to, you know, like Latinx is, you know, would be like the English variant to that, you know, because in Spanish, I know in at least El Salvador, which is where my parents are from, they use the word Latine. So, you know, in Spanish, you want to say Latinx, like Latinx, like it doesn't necessarily, but Latine is kind of like how um, it goes. But it also um, covers a lot of different other things too, uh, just because when you're really worrying about like diversity and inclusion, you wanna be intersectional with everything. So you, you cover like the Afro-Latino or Afro-Latinx, um, I guess you can say experiences, like you said, like non-Spanish speaking countries, like, like Kate mentioned, and then, or non-Spanish speaking people. And then um, also it's important to note that like living in the US journalistically speaking, um, you know, that's what's really mainly used here. I know that yeah. you are pretty familiar with that, so. Yeah, so the way a lot of these, uh, journalistically, the way it gets broken down is Latino is specifically used to refer to anybody living in the United States of Latin descent. Latin American is used for anybody outside the US. Um, so a lot of the times, like Sarai mentioned, it, we get a lot of pushback on it because it's an English, an English solution, but it's very much a solution for our identities in this country as we exist and we live here. So the, it's one of those things, and it, it, it has multitudes, and I know Latine is used a lot yeah. in, in Latin American communities, so it's good to know the variants, and it's also just, I just want everybody to like, understand that you are enough, because I've spent a lot of my life not feeling like I was enough. We're especially. all working together. Yeah. Yep. So I guess like I kind of want to pose the question, so have, have you all ever heard like anyone say that, like, oh, Latinx or Latinx isn't like, a real word? Like, I know I have. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it's kind of like one of those things where language must evolve. And so if you think about it, like all of the words that we use in our everyday vocabulary comes from just being made up at some point. And so it's just kind of one of those things. And um, borderline speaking, I mean, we pretty much already went over this. Latinx is inviting everybody to the table. And so um, it's just kind of removing all of these barriers and stuff to really be included. Because if you think about it, you know, Latino may, may not suit somebody's identity. Latina may not suit somebody's identity. So Latinx kind of is all inclusive to that. It also works when you're covering things. So like I, I'm essentially a journalist and in what I do, I feel really weird writing Latinos or Latino actors to define just talking about 
you know, Latinx representation, both male and female or non-binary in in media. So it feels weird because I'm talking about a mixed group. Automatically, all the women get erased the moment you put one man into the group grammatically in Spanish. Um, so it, it, it I, it's becoming more prevalent for outlets to start using Latinx as a descriptor, but it's still really hard to get, um, I mean, I, I, I run my platform so I can make that decision as, as an editor in chief, but it's really hard when you are pitching ideas to get Latinx included in your work. I think uh, some of the disparity comes from like the older Latino Latinx generation where they've assimilated so much that they saw Latinx as just another word to assimilate to and that's not necessarily the point it was to just bring in those uh, folks that felt outside even you know our own culture yeah in so it's not something that's being shoved down your throat it's it's to bring these folks in that they've been here um, into into this as a whole not taking away you have more options now for however you want to identify yeah, yeah. like I, I would never like if you want to use Latinos or Latinas or you know whichever you choose like that's up to you but I think the important thing in the Latinx conversation is understanding and if somebody wants to identify as Latinx recognizing that and being respectful of it um, while also understanding that you know we're not shoving it down your throat to use it mm, exactly <laughs> all right yeah if you guys have Netflix, uh, Mr. Iglesias, which is uh, a really good TV show, um, they have a scene about talking about this because uh, Iglesias was like, well, when I grew up, it was all about being Chicano and everything, and he couldn't understand the Latinx whole thing. And I think they have a really good scene of explaining why, yeah, language has changed in the last 50 years, especially when identifying, like, if you're if you're Mexican American, you would use Chicano or Chicanx, mm -hmm. um, and how that changes. So that will give a better. Uh, the whole episode is really good, but there's definitely a scene in there. Um, if we if our explanations aren't actually hitting, because it takes a while, like it takes a long time to like understand. I still make mistakes <laughs> yeah. when I'm writing. Yeah. Like Same. it's hard to move to. Um, but I mean, luckily I have an editor who edits me and like, okay, you either need you need to pick one of these things and stick with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, luckily, um, you know, we have like panels like this that make this kind of information accessible uh, because ultimately, just like how the slide says, you know, representation leads to inclusion. We can talk about it as much as we want, but until, until like we start to really make it a habit in using these terms correctly and all of that, like that's when we can really like move towards normalizing everything. And so, um, unfortunately, though, you know, there's still a lot of, um, hello, what happened? Wake <laughs> up. So yeah, yeah, just basically what I was saying, but there still is a erasure. And so um, we're pretty much going to dive into that. So how does it really impact the Latinx community? So it's not just I guess you can say um, focused on gender. There's also, like you say, different races and ethnicities that we tend to forget about. I like to use the example once you think of somebody who's Latino or Latinx, you know, immediately we think of, is everyone familiar with the term mestizo? Yeah, so mestizo basically is just mixed. So traditionally it would be like the indigenous person and the white conquistador pretty much made the mestizo. That would be people that look like me. 
um, you know, a stereotypical like Latinx would look like that. But not a lot of people tend to know about the Afro-Latinx person um, or the Asian Latinx person or the Middle Eastern Latinx person, all of these different ethnicities that are intersectional with the term Latinx. And so um, the further that we kind of push that norm, the more erasure that happens around, um, around us. So if we kind of make it relevant to gaming, kind of mirrors everything, at least to me. I don't work in the gaming industry. Y'all just know that I run a podcast, so I know diversity and inclusion. But um, as somebody that really loves and appreciates video games, I can say that I know um, we're not necessarily being represented in the way that we should be. Um, like an example that I was talking about like at dinner. So um, I love Pokemon. Pokemon is like my favorite video game franchise all time. I know I just talked talk about Smash, but like Pokemon, one Sword and Shield comes out, that's all I'm playing. <laughs> but, uh, so the Pokemon Ludicolo, you know, if you're familiar with Pokemon, it, Ludicolo is pretty much like a, a pineapple duck that wears a sombrero and it does a little dance. If you saw Detective Pikachu, he was the bartender um, helper. Yeah, yeah. And so um, pretty much it's just playing on the Mexican stereotype, like the feather is really made to look like a poncho, and then you know the the the, the top of the pineapple is made to look like a sombrero, and he does a little dance. You know, um, it can be cute to some. To me, I don't think it's necessarily a big deal, but that just because I don't think it doesn't mean it's well represented amongst our entire community. And so um, I know that Pokemon, you know, has had a lot of issues when it comes to race and inclusion and stuff like that. If you think about Jinx. Jinx had to deal with blackface back in the day, and they had to change um, Jinx's skin to purple instead of black. And so um, we're really kind of moving away from that, and that's what I like to see. But now, instead of having stereotypes, we need to have substance, and at least that's what I see. Um, but I'm interested to hear what y'all think, you know, from your perspectives. So a great example of this and, and visibility is somebody tried to cons uh, use me as their consultant uh, on a game that they were creating that was kind of focused around Latin America, but they didn't want to hire me for it. Essentially, they wanted like, is this okay? Or is this culturally sensitive for free? Yeah. Now, <laughs> I've been in the tech and gaming industry, I think at this point for about four, four going on five years. And so maybe, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't have kind of stepped up and said, hey, this, I mean, you guys have, cultural sensitivity for a reason, but you need to be putting uh, Latinos in that role of, of choosing the outfits or creating the art or creating the dialogue, creating the narrative, because when you don't do that, then you know, you're know you gonna expect that work for free. So that's prob probably the best example that I have of this kind of erasure going on um, that needs to be fixed. And, and your job is super important, because like without you, like without your role, we, we get stuff like, uh, like Resident Evil 5 happens, basically. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone knows about that, but all in all, you have like, you know, this white guy and like, you know, it takes place in Africa. So of course there'd be Africans, but then there's a zombie outbreak and Capcom didn't, they didn't have, they didn't have you around to see why it would be a problem that your, your big, strong white hero would be shooting up Africans. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and then just to do it for free, it's like, it's not great. I mean, and I mean, what, 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 what do we really have in like games right now though? I mean, fighters, we're fighters, Tekken, that's, that's, Street the, that's Fighter. the stereotype. 
king, think, that's, king count? That's the good <laughs> stereotype. That's the thing in the, the hot, you know. Yeah. The, those are the good stereotypes. That's not what we've seen a lot of games and TV shows where it's like, okay, we're the cartel leader, yeah. Yeah. drug dealers, um, rapists, um, and all of that. And it does reflect back into real life. I think the other problem too is like, I think one of the, um, when I think about like who we have representation in games, it's really hard, yeah. really hard. It's fighters or it's Overwatch, which like I commend Overwatch for you know the the diversity of, of Latinx experiences that it shows. You have Sombra who's from Mexico, you have Reaper who's Mexican American, you have Lucio who's uh, Afro Brazilian. But he um, still is never considered exactly. either black or or Latinx, yeah. and it's frustrating when it's like no, he's from Brazil. So. Exactly, and and because a lot of these lists like they'll leave Lucio off. Yeah. Um, or it, there's. That's interesting. It's real interesting, <laughs> which goes to the you know the Eurasia component. And these um, lists are so short that like I, I remember when we were finding this out, I was reading through one of them and it was so short that they included um, Puss in Boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. I also. But he's not like. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he's based on Spanish character. Yeah. Iberian. And then I think like one of the other things that we end up with too, at least for me, it's important um, just because like I've never been to Mexico. I don't have family in Mexico. I don't identify with anything that is outside of being Chicana, being Tejana, like having being Mexican-American. That's a very specific identity to me. So when I see stuff that is like all the time we're, we're either located only in Latin America or and, and or it's only an immigrant story, which that's important. But for me, we have very few actual like Latinx, like US born Latinx stories being told. And mm. um, I think it's a UCLA and this is in, in film and, and television just put out um, put out a study for um, representation and Latinx representation. Um, We're at 3% for speaking roles. 3% and Latinx make up 18% of this country as of the last census. Um, and when you think about that, it's a lot. Um, but then you realize they actually included uh, Spanish as well. So you take that out, it gets even smaller. You take out Latin American, it gets even smaller. Um, that is replicated in the gaming industry as well. Um, and I also think too, like especially being a part of Latinx and gaming has helped me a lot to see that we have a lot of voices and we're doing the work. We just need a platform for people to see it. But it's still a problem. And one of the things, and it doesn't get talked about much outside of the Latinx community is colorism. Yeah. Um, True. When, and I, if any of you who like to read romance novels, this is a problem too, where a lot of romance novels tend to be white. That's the same in the romance games, especially for mobile games. Um, when I was working for a company that was transforming romance novels into romance visual novels for the phone, we were able to do the the typical like you get to choose your your color, like your color and everything and your race and you get to choose your love interests uh, like race and everything. But they were all even for the um, for the Black Asians and Latinx characters, they were all very light skinned. And every time I tried, as a producer, every time I tried to like say, hey, for this particular book, I want a darker skinned character, they were like, oh no, that's not, uh, people don't want that. Like, it's not marketable. And it's like, it's extremely hard to like, and I'm inside the industry trying to push for that. And like, for one woman, they gave me a white Brazilian Instagram model. And I'm like, 
that's not what I asked for. <laughs> like, so that's something that we still need to work on is to, to show that like Latinx comes in all different um, shapes and sizes and colors and, and races. And we definitely don't see that in movies. We don't see that in mm -hmm. games. Um, and so that's part of this erasure that we're dealing with and that we're trying to push forward with. Like, I think I haven't been paying much attention to Cyberpunk 2020 only because there's been a lot of problematic things, but I think mm -hmm. they tried to do a darker skin uh, Latinx character, but he's still a little iffy because they didn't choose an actual. And he also speaks like Google Google Translate. <laughs> oh no. So. Was it like part of like a gang or something that has like a real well, like stereotypical probably. name? Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something, you know, okay. I don't even remember. Okay, cartels, drug boss, or, you know, yeah. same thing, uh, rapist, and gay. Yeah. There we go, there's a representation. I mean, even Latinos in Tech Seattle got, kind of got called out on the colorism thing because mm -hmm. one of uh, one of my colleagues was like, where are the Afro-Latinx people at? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, where are y'all at? <laughs> but the point is, is that we need to be going out into these communities and finding the folks that are, like, the content creators and the podcasters and... The video game like even on our you know indie game floor we need to find out who is you know a person of color black and and support support what it is that they're creating and i think a lot of that too it comes from we have to build an inclusive space because like i'm not even that dark and like my family like made it very apparent that i was that i was that i was the brown one in the family um like we do that and we internalize it and we replicate it without even realizing it and like we have to actively push back against that type of erasure in our community because being Latinx doesn't look one way. And if we don't make it our goal to be inclusive of all Latinx experiences, I mean, we don't have an Afro-Latinx on this panel like that. That is also something to be called out. Mm -hmm. um, if we are not aware, we are not actively putting it forward. We're not doing anything to help our community because it's something that is deeply rooted and has been for so long. It, it's up to us individually to work and welcome and make sure that we are not solidifying these stereotypes that we have about our own community here. So we talked a little bit about like what this representation, you know, what should it look like? And so now it's kind of like implementing that. So um, what I see as important is basically it's tough for me to really talk about because I don't work in space. So all I can really talk about is what I want to see and is to really get those devs like into, into a space so they can actually start developing without having any strings attached. You know, one of the things that deeply disturbs me as somebody that likes video games a lot is that somebody would really turn down the color of somebody's skin uh, for a character or something just because of the market marketability for the fact that it's not bringing in enough dollars really kind of leaves out a whole story to tell. You know that is just just as valid as anyone else's experience, and so um, it kind of begs the question: like, what is more important? Like, really having the actual people behind you know behind the scenes really telling these stories, or just kind of having it like out there, like on our screens, being told by somebody else that may not know the actual struggle. So I guess that's the question that I want to pose to y'all: is um, you know what do you see as important? Like, what needs to be prioritized when it comes to that? So I would say both are really, really important. Um, uh, having having characters that look, um, talk, or just have the same experiences as us um, is very important uh, to the general public. But at the same time, I do prioritize having us in real life working in these roles um, 
because if you have one Latinx employee, you know, I'm on like, let's say, uh, I don't know, like, you know, let's just say like a, a white, white office, right? Um, you have one employee, that's a whole new perspective and you're gonna be interacting with your coworkers every day and they're gonna learn some new things whether they want to or, or, or not. Um, so I, I feel like you do affect more people that way um, to help change the industry, I'd, I'd say, and get rid of this stigma because, hey, you know someone in real life, you don't know, you're not taking this from the news um, or other media that you've seen. This is someone you know in real life. And I also think one of the other things that's important is kind of, like for me, I think they're both important, but I prioritize, like like you said, having people actually doing the work, but I also prioritize when somebody makes it into the games industry, not like not pigeonholing them. If they want to make a sci-fi game that has nothing to do with humans, they have that ability to because they they should be granted that as well. But at the same time, I think what what it does is when you when you open up to a diverse space and your office becomes diverse, you tell different stories and we're not getting the same thing over and over again. From an entertainment standpoint, the more people that you have building a game, building a story that have different inputs, oh, it can be small things that somebody will notice or put into a game, a little detail. From a writing perspective, from covering these games, I may have a completely different interpretation of a game than somebody else. And, and I also think it's important because that's what I can speak to. I can speak to covering games, covering conventions, and a lot of the time, like, nobody really looks like me in those rooms when it you know when I when we go to pressers and when we do those things um if you're if you are in the gaming industry seek out latinx creators who can cover your game who can stream your game who can who can bring that different perspective because it's only going to make it better once you show it to multiple people to give that input to give that experience and it makes the the community broader um and I think like it, and it's on my side, I need to, as somebody who runs a site, I need to seek out Latinx game devs and review their games. And I like, it, it's, it's a give and take in both of those ways. But for me, when I, when I think of representation, if you bring in people in the background, narrative designers, producers, sound designers, anybody in that background piece, you're, odd, you're going to get it in the front mm -hmm. as well. Um, and it's it's tangible there too. Well, and we, we rise together too. I mean, if one of us gets in, that opens up, you know, a floodgate. Um, I mean, just even this group Latinx and gaming, it's, um, it's it really is a community and we stay very close with each other um, as to like what's happening, job openings, especially um, if the company we're at, we know is hiring. Um, or if we need someone who specializes in a certain talent. Um, and also just like, you know, all of us rising together. I mean, tech really is the future and, and tech is what's driving, it's, it's what's driving the future, whether we like it or not. Um, so I think we definitely, we need to be a part of it um, actively or else, you know, we always stay at the bottom and we're, we're powerless and there's, 
there's also a lot of cash money out there. So let's 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 get that money, you know? Yeah. Hey. hey. So <laughs> I have, the bag. I have two very proactive things about how to handle this. So if you are lucky enough to be in a position of power at your job, um, hold your HR and your recruiters accountable yes. and ask them straight up when's the last time you hired somebody that does not look like you. I've done this and it puts them in the hot seat, but they know uh, what they're doing and they can change it. But if you happen to be in that role, take a chance on a person that may not have all of the credentials that's on the resume. Cause Lord knows half of these guys have to Google what it is that they're doing. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. Okay. Seen that being said, uh, if you uh, were broke like I was, what I started doing was cultivating what I needed to be seeing in my Instagram feed or in my Tumblr or on my Twitter. I started looking for uh, Latinx creators. And even when I had like five bucks in my name, I could look at hashtag other people that were doing it. Latinx creates. Oh yeah, yeah, Latinx creates. On Twitter, hashtag. Oh, I got yeah. that. So those are two things in a, you know, in a time where it can feel very hopeless, how to kind of get our power back and, and get this money. And I, I mean, there's like, and I've seen it firsthand, there is <coughs> so much talent out there, um, but there's just so many barriers and, there's there's just so much talent that these people just need to be invested in. Like I, you know, I I have the opportunities and the income to pursue art, especially traditional art, because like if you mess up, then that's the whole painting you're done. Um, but I mean, even for myself, just having a community and having a person invest in you, whether or not they know, you know, you have all the skills, you're ready yet. But just having having someone believe in you and take the chance and say, hey, let's let's see where this goes. It's so important. Like I wouldn't be here today if my aunt hadn't put that investment in me and I wouldn't be going to school. Like Yeah. And like other ways to work, like you're here at PAX, um, either you're here as a dev yourself or you're just a, a fan, but like you could still it's as simple as asking, like, you're looking at this game and everything's like, hey, are there any Latinx characters in it? Or or another ethnicity, if you'd like. Or even if there's a, hey, is there any queer characters in it? And at least it'll get them thinking. Because like you said with the HR, putting them on the hot spot, it'll at least get them like, hey, there's people asking about this. Were there any people here that went to PAX Dev at all? Any PAX Dev? Yeah. You know what's up. <laughs> Start asking those game developers. And, um, and other things is, yeah, preferably get paid. Um, a lot of indie games, like if you're making your own game, it's very, you don't have money to do that. If you plan to do a Kickstarter, budget in a part where it's like, hey, we're gonna pay for consultants. Um, I was lucky enough, uh, I think the year before last PAX, I was talking to an in, uh, indie company that they were showcasing their games on the floor and everything. It's a really cool game. Um, whose name is forget, I'm forgetting right now because it's late. Um, and they had uh, love interests that were, there were Latinx uh, siblings. There it is, guys. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, they came up to, because uh, I also volunteer for I Need Diverse Games, which is run by Tanya DePass, a Yay. fantastic person. She has a couple, bunch of panels this weekend. Yeah. If you can go see it, if you haven't seen her today in the two that she was in. And she advocates for all kinds of diversity also. She'll also be a Geek Girl Con. Yeah, she'll be a Geek Girl Con and Orca Con and Big Bad Con if you're into tabletop. Um, but like they came up and say, hey, we have a couple of characters. We're white, we're a white couple. 
what do we do? I was like, well, first you gotta decide, it's a space game, what country are they from? Because the pitfalls for a lot of Latinx characters and a lot of black characters is they just say Latin America or Africa. But Africa is a country with, or is a continent with many countries in it. So you gotta be in different cultures. So because it was a space game, they're like, oh, we don't know. I was like, okay, well maybe if you have a consultant, we can like, you know, fine tune your dialogue. And it just so happened that they hired me and they had a small budget. I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. I'm willing to help you because you're, you, you reached out. And so I was able to, you know, uh, sensitivity edit their their character dialogue and everything. And it's just something as small as that. Yes, like don't abuse it, like trying to get a whole game for free to get edited. But like if you can help out in little ways, and even if you don't think you're Latinx enough, your experience is going to be extremely helpful to a game or to a story more than some um, non-Latinx perspective and everything. And just the little nuances like that. So that would be my suggestion if you're just a player. Um, if you're into tabletop, try. Like, there's also Tanya does very good talks about this too, like trying to not play yourself and playing the other, and but figure out the nuances, research. Just like 10 minute Google research on a particular country or what aspect will do you a whole lot of good, and then you'll be able to like have more people in your community, like to play games with. So you don't get dragged by Latinx Twitter. <laughs> Listen, yeah. we are out here. <laughs> We're watching. Latinx Twitter is out here. <laughs> it kind of reminds me when you just start getting an anime in like seventh grade and you know a couple of Japanese phrases and you're like, I speak Japanese. No, you don't. You sure don't. <laughs> so I, you know, those were a lot of excellent points and stuff that that y'all brought up, and, and you know, it's enlightening me to kind of like what y'all do every day. And, you know, I'm on the other end. I'm just sitting in front of the screen and engaging with this type of stuff. And you know, so a point that that kind of comes up to my head is like, I think I, I agree. I do think that it's important to put people in that position to start making these games or, or be in these positions of power within these institutions because. If it's if it's somebody else telling our story, it's borderline cultural appropriation, really. Sure. And so um, let's let's not appropriate culture and let's start appreciating it uh, by having us be in those positions to really get it done. So with that being said, what do y'all think? And that that's kind of like my opinion on what like good representation is. But what is y'all like? What do you guys think? What is good representation? Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say guys. It's not inclusive. You all. <laughs> so there is a, a nerd podcast that's run by, entirely by people of color uh, called Fanbros. I love it yeah, a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, check that out. Of course, all, most of the people on this panel are content creators as well. Um, <laughs> listen to their stuff, watch their stuff, read their stuff. Honestly, like for me, it's just being thoughtful. It is just being thoughtful. Like no matter who is creating, it is being thoughtful. And it is thinking through the process and understanding that whatever you're putting forward, that is a story that deserves respect. And if it is somebody who is doesn't look like you, right? We want people to tell any story that they can. But if you are telling a story that is from a different perspective, you need to do the research and hire the people to come in and help you make sure that it is thoughtful. Like that, like good representation is thoughtful representation that actively tries to move forward sincere, honest, yeah. open, um, intimate, not a backdrop, not mm. not something that could necessarily be um, set somewhere else or just put a different skin on, you know? Like, uh, I, like, 
And I love both movies, but I guess the, a good example of this would be like uh, Moana. And like, I love Moana, but uh, the, the Polynesian, like, um, I guess culture there is more of a backdrop because you can still take the story and uh, put it in any other setting and have it be the same versus how Coco was made. Um, whereas the culture is just blended in with the story. Like you can't separate the two. That's a good point. Yeah. I love both, by the way. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. So then we're going on to the last topic that we have is community. And so um, how do we get started with starting a community? You know, I think this is something that, that we all are really, you know, working towards by just having this panel. You know, I can say that Latinx and gaming certainly does that, you know, so um, like you said that we all, you know, most of us are really like into content creation and stuff. And so I, I can say with me, you know, it, it all kind of starts off with a spark. You know, I think that everyone kind of has that experience to get them started. So um, I guess what I'm asking is, is like, what was your spark? Like, what was your desire to really connect with the community? The only people that look like me in tech are cleaning. And at that point, two years ago, I didn't really know any other Latinos. I had never had a Latina friend. I moved here from East LA when I was 10. So I grew up in like federal way, which is, you know. <laughs> so that being said, um, I literally Googled Latinos in tech Seattle. And then I found these people who let me be weird. Cause like, there's a saying where you're too, too thug for the white kids and then too weird for the brown kids. And that was me. <laughs> so through that, I was able to find IGDA and then I found Latinx in, in gaming. And I'm like, oh, there are other weirdos like me that love anime and speak Spanglish and, or some don't speak Spanish at all. And we all belong. And that's what I needed. I needed community. Yeah, and I mean, I when I moved back, I was born here, but I've been mostly living on the east side of the state, namely Pasco, um, where it has a large uh, Latino community and really, really good food. Uh, yes. So when I moved back here for schooling, I was like, where is it? I, I got I gotta have a cousin somewhere, right? Uh. <laughs> I gotta have a cousin, you know? <laughs> um, and I, you know, like, why is this taco $15? It doesn't even taste good, you know? It probably so, so I was in a bit of a culture shock and I was like, oh God. Um, and, I, and I founded the Twitter and I was like, okay, I'll join the Discord. It's probably, I'm probably gonna stay in there for two weeks. Like, you know how Discord servers be. Um, yeah. Yeah. You show up, you don't talk to anybody and then you leave. Um, True. Uh, but this, this um, Latinx and gaming is a lot different, and there really is no boundaries. There is absolutely no gatekeeping. None like, of that gatekeeping stuff. Don't don't think you're not um, don't think you're not Latinx enough, you know, or or anything like that. No matter where you stand, like like I said, I don't speak Spanish. I'm working on it though, but just to be openly honest, you know, because I know that can be a bit of a disconnect for a lot of people, or you know, a shameful thing. There, there, there's nothing there, like, just talk to us, like, um, I mean, like, that's about it, like, just, we're, we're cool, we don't bite at all. Um, for me, uh, I, we, I started a podcast, everybody, everybody has a podcast now, that's <laughs> yeah. how it works, it's a new band, um, and we made it, we, we, we did it for a year, and then my husband 
and I were just kind of like, okay, can we do something more? And like, I, I want to do something more. I want to build it out. I want to give people voices. As I, I, I look around at a lot of the websites, because I'm in a lot of fandoms. I'm in Star Wars. I'm in MCU. I'm in all these things. And a lot of those sites don't really have a lot of women writing. A lot of those sites don't really have a lot of people of color. If you do not have like a dedicated site just for people of color, you're probably not going to find them on other websites. You're not If you don't have a site dedicated just to women and female perspectives, you're probably not going to find them on a lot of other websites. I, um, and for me, it was really important because the community wasn't there. And so we just decided to build it. We just decided to build a platform that I could start writing. And then we opened it up to everybody. And uh, we realized really quickly that if your site doesn't have a lot of diversity, you are doing something wrong. Because if you just put the call out there and have different people amplify it, you will get a diverse slate of writers. Um, and I'm really proud of what we built with our contributors and our community because we, we opened it up. And for me, it, was, it wasn't about having like 10 writing samples or having written for a site before. It's like, do you have that passion in pop culture? Yes, okay, Let, let's do this. Let's work together and let's, let's build something. Let's build a community. And it's something that I'm really, really proud of that we've done because it isn't specifically, like, we don't only produce Latinx content. We just have a few Latinx writers who bring that perspective into what we do no matter what. Um, and it goes for the rest of our side as well. We have, I'm proud of what we've built, but I do want to say like for me, building community is understanding that you have power to do it. A lot of the time you look at what's around you and you, you don't think that you can just take that leap. You don't think you can start streaming and build a community. You don't think that you can start writing. You don't think that you can start a podcast or you get defeated really easily because you don't see immediate results. Look for other communities look for other support, look in Latinx and gaming and, and get that because we are here to help you. We're here to uplift you. And if you ever feel like you need it, like DM me, my DMs are open. Like, yeah. <laughs> and may send another request because I'm really bad at checking them, but I will eventually and I will, I will respond to you. And if you, if you're sitting in the, if you're sitting in the audience right now and you want to start writing, like come talk to me after this, I'll give you my card. Yeah. Get into games writing. I mean, I'm here. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's really the key what you said. I mean, if you, if there's something, just the passion, um, if there's something you want to see, or you know, just anything, any content you want to see, make it. Um, it might be a mess starting out, but you you made it. Yeah. And and maybe it won't be a mess. Yeah. Maybe it'll turn into something, you know. But it, it's better to do than to do not, because yeah. ideas not written down, not not drawn, not anything. They die in the dark and they die and you, they die yeah. six and, feet under, yeah. And it is hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard. But, you know, reach out to us, all of us. Reach out to the Discord. Reach out to the, the Facebook group. Like, we're here to help you get where you want to go. So probably about 10-ish years ago is when I started realizing, like, for, like, movies and games and books that there was, like, not a lot of diversity, not a lot of Latinx characters. We were always playing mates. Um, and that was very frustrating. Or flaming hot love interests. Yeah. Yep. Or flaming hot love interests. Which is not bad, but like we are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we're definitely more than that. And then um, I keep losing the thought, and it keeps coming back. <laughs> for oh yeah, so for gaming specifically, 
I think a lot of us probably like got into like let's plays on YouTube and Twitch like three, four, five years ago, and I. I started getting into because I started liking the I, I love horror I cannot play horror so I started watching um, Markiplier play the Five Nights at Freddy's games and um, Sweet it work. just so happened like when I took my mother to the 60th anniversary of Disneyland for her 60th was D23 so we went to the expo and Markiplier was there because Disney had a YouTube content creator gaming like thing and I went to go and it was just happenstance. And then I went to talk to the people who were behind that, and they were like, and I had just started doing my own Let's Plays, and the person asked me, was like, oh, well, what's your channel about? And I was like, at the time, I was like, well, I'm focusing, I love steampunk, so I'm focusing on steampunk games and everything, and I noticed there wasn't a lot of Latinx character, uh, players on Let's Plays on YouTube, and they were like, you know what? We manage over 100 different YouTube partners who do gaming. I cannot think of a single let uh, Latino who's on our team. And I was like, oh shit, there must be a market for this. And that's what got me like wanting to like find other Latinx, uh, uh, English speaking, I gotta preface, Latinx uh, gamers, because apparently one of the top YouTube, at the time, one of the top YouTube uh, subscribers is actually a Spanish person, but they it's Spanish language. Yeah. Um, so they're not considered as like the top 10 YouTube content creators even though they were doing like, I think they were doing games and other things too. So I was like, I, w I needed to find, I needed to find my people. So, um, and then through, through Tanya and Andy Traverse Games, that's how it happened. And then finally, eventually like meeting Christina was definitely, Christina Amaya, who I don't think is here right now. Um, she's probably busy <laughs> doing all her, her stuff. Got in with the Latinx and gaming and yeah, it's just like, you just have to have that need to want to, to connect with people. Yeah, and I think all of that encompasses just a lot of those values that are on that slide right there. It's just the willingness to network. Um, the way that I like to really describe it is, like if you give yourself a shot, somebody else will give you a shot. The chances are a lot greater that that happens. And so, like for myself, you know, I, I, I gave myself a shot to get involved with this group and here I am, you know, moderating a panel. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's just a testament that anyone can be included into this group. Um, you know, like, you know, like uh, what you all were saying was like, there's no gatekeeping, gatekeeping or anything like that. You know, we're all the <coughs> that that likes to spread the word about like Latinx and gaming and all of that. You know, other than that, like, what are you doing to build a community? Um, I know, like myself, you know, if I started this podcast, just like you know how Kate said, you know, starting a podcast really where it starts. You know, you're essentially a voice for a community, you're reaching out to them and engaging with them. Um, just real quick, just because we want to have some time to do Q&A, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I don't think there's a panel after here, so unless we get kicked out. Yeah. I do. Well, I did want to yeah. do so one more example. Yeah. I did want to do one more example of building community. Um, I had been told by HR that, why don't you hire Latinx? Da, da, da. They said, oh, there's not enough of you applying. So because of that, uh, earlier this year, I created a Latinx uh, in tech hackathon where over 30 developers of Latinx descent showed up and I said, hey, HR, here it is, right here. Um, so a lot of the times we're the ones that have to do the work yeah. to make it happen and, and give us that representation because we don't, I think we're at a point where we no longer need to ask for permission. No excuses. 
So I see several people taking out their phones and taking a picture of that. Please do, uh, because then you can join the discords for both like Latinos in Tech here hey. in Washington and then Latinx in gaming. And so that's how I got started with this group. You know, I literally like went to PAX East, joined the discord and started engaging with people. And so that's how you get started, seriously. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> and so um, all in all, Thank you everyone for coming out, you know, so we want to have, you know, some time to do There's a slide so have... with our Twitter handles on it too. Okay, follow okay. us. There you go. Follow Take us. out your phones and follow us. We are dope people creating content. I also mean it like seriously, if anybody's in, if anybody's out there thinking of like, how do I, how do I start covering conventions? How do I get in the door? How do I start writing? How do I do any of this? Like message me, I will help you. Uh, Should yeah, I ask Q and a questions? Yeah. And Oh, I think we have yeah. a microphone. Hi. Oh, there you go. Very quickly, yeah. Thank you. So I wanted to talk uh, about like the topic you were mentioning earlier about how like Latin um, uh, representation in video games. I wanted to know your thoughts about like specifically like in fiction because we see like for example we see a lot of like uh, fantasy games, but all of the necromancers are like European like plague doctors. Whereas the Latin like culture in that, because we have such an interesting perspective yeah. on death. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, like, you have any thoughts about like including um, Latinx culture in like so, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, fiction? I do want to give a shout out, um, like outside, um, uh, what is it? A uh, Dragons Conquer America yes. is a tabletop game. It's all about Mesoamerica before the Spaniards. <laughs> it is created by a European company, but they heavily relied on, on consultants. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's rough, right? Like, I, I'm a huge Tolkien fan. Like, that is probably one of my largest fandoms. Um, but, you know, we're, we're not there. The, the, the thing is, is, like, a lot of high fantasy is grounded in European traditions, just because that's how it's happened. Um, we just, we honestly, like, we need to start looking out for games like Dragon's Con Conquer America. There's a comic book uh, from, from Boom Studios called Hotel Dare. It is a sci-fi action fantasy graphic novel made by a queer Latino um, named uh, Terry Blass. And it is us using magic and being space pirates and like is deep in Aztec lore. Like we, it's not there enough, but I, I do think, like I don't want to act like it's not there at all, but sometimes it takes a little digging, unfortunately, um, but dig. It exists and we need more of it because I would love to see more like yeah. Latinx elves, you know, dark elves. <laughs> jaguar people. Vampires. Dragons Conquer America has jaguar. Yes. Like, wear jaguars. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I feel like the Eurocentric stuff is like pretty oversaturated. So I'm, yeah, for sure. We could get to that point where it turns over and it's like, okay, what's the fresh new theme? Yeah. Let's let's make that. Yeah, and we got creepy do that. urban legends too. Oh, yeah. Like, all yes. across all of our cultures. There's, so. um, I just want to make sure we mention this. Uh, there's D and D does host um, a Spanish language D and D uh, role playing group on Twitch. There's also a POC D and D role playing group uh, with that do have Spanish uh, Latinx people on it. Uh, Rivals of Waterdeep, and um, there's a game called Nuhales, which is another RPG which has to do with like fighting angels who are actually they're the bad people. And that was uh, Netflix has Diableros, which is a yep. Spanish created based on a book series of the same thing with magic. And um, the person who created Mohal is actually 
creating a D&D adventure setting specifically for, for Mexico and for Central America to have that because we just can't have the Magic the Gathering as a version of what they think yeah. Latinx is. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, didn't see oh, that. Thank <laughs> you guys uh, for um, talking. Um, my girlfriend's Afro-Latina, and so Yay! she's not here, so I'm here to represent her. Awesome. Um, what do you think are like the biggest barriers to these representation? Is it like the producers, developers, uh, content writer, money? The reason is because you hear about, we talk about Black Panther and yeah. Crazy Rich Asians. The narratives are people weren't sold on it because of the producers who control the top didn't want it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, to bring more representation, what do you think is in the pipeline that needs to be helped to bring the story? They want to see the ROI on it, like the yeah. return on investment yeah. on it. But like, we actually had a discussion, yeah, before this panel about the Latino, the Latinx dollar. Yeah, we have like the GDP of a small country <laughs> when you take how much money we spend um, on entertainment. We are huge, especially in the U.S. Like we have the statistics, we have the population size, we have the economy to prove that we need this. But the thing that is is rough, I think a lot of the times when when we're demonized in the media so much and when we have a climate like this, it, it's really hard to have people see us as American a lot of the time. And so they don't see our stories as essential to what's being told. Um, and we need to push on that. But I think ultimately, like to your point, we need people and producers, we need people as producers and we need people to fight. Like, yeah, we need more fighters. Like you yeah. can't just take that no and go. Like uh, I, if you follow uh, Jorge Gutierrez on Twitter, he's Mexop uh, Mexopolis, he did Book of Life. He's now doing Maya and the Three for Netflix. He has so many threads talking about how he got told no for Book of Life four different times. He yeah. got shut out by every studio he took it to, but he went to another one. And it sucks, and it sucks to have that door slammed, and it sucks to have it said no, but we have to just keep pushing. And if you're sitting in the audience, find those creators and share their stuff. Show that there is an interest in it. Yeah. Like build that interest, build that those campaigns, interact in those campaigns, and Proof show that they're wanting it. Yeah, because yeah. it's literally saying, "Oh, there's no audience for it," but they're not marketing it, so it flops. So it's just like this: be active, be like searching, like Latinx create hashtag, or finding out like um, like we have the Ghostwriter show coming on. It's going to yeah. be on Hulu, but that's a great representation there that we're going to have. And it's just like the Terminator movie just came out. Yes. Same actor for that one go in and support it and be like, hey, we like this character. Hopefully he is good. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. So it's just yeah. pushing for it. And it's all of the above. We need to have, we need to have um, the it, people. No, well, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, um, it, it works too. That's the thing. Like, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but after like Get Out came out, suddenly there was a floodgate for black protagonists in high budget, well, as high budget as horror films can be. Um, and, and they did make a few at first that they did, you can tell they tried to make flop intentionally, 
because they would make the movie and then they wouldn't market it at well, all. I do yeah. think that that's, that's unique to horror, especially because of the companies that were producing them. They don't market their movies. Yeah, I but there, 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 there are some of them. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I noticed a lot with the, the, the black protagonists at first were like, yeah. 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 It was like, I literally never heard of this until like after yeah. it came out. But at least it's still an awesome. But it, it yeah. works, yeah. Um, we're gonna, I think we're going to go outside for more questions because okay. since there is another panel, um, we thought there wasn't at first. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll take more questions. Yeah. Talk to um, us. Thank yeah, you very much. We'll have cards. Yeah, we'll definitely be hanging out outside. You know, yeah. So just come over and hang out with us. You know, yeah. Thank you, everyone. So, yeah, that was a panel. Um, you know, I, I don't even have words to really describe it. I mean, it was just weird being up there as the only person that doesn't work in games or does something full-time in capacity with the culture, but hey it was an honor to at least moderate it and and be on the same stage as so many cool professionals and you know even afterwards we went out to the bar and we talked with a a bunch of other guests that were just really curious about what everyone does and we were able to carry on a lot of those conversations about what is latinx but not only about what latinx is but how it pertains to the culture you know, there were so many people out there with so many different ideas about projects, people that were inspired to start new careers and all of that. Even folks that were starting their own events in their hometowns. Like, I can't even say enough words, like, about how lucky I am to even be living this reality right now. And it was cool to I, to be there and, and to capture all of that. So... Thanks for hanging out on the episode today and, and engaging with the panel, you know, at least by listening on whatever device you're listening on. But um, if you have any questions, go ahead and email me at carlos at race, the number two, the finish dot live. I will reply as soon as I get around to it. And don't forget to follow us on social media, race to number two, the finish on Twitter and Instagram. And you can listen to the show on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, and Facebook. So I am catching up on a lot of stuff because life has been catching up to me, you know, with this traveling and and and, uh, and work and stuff like that. But thanks for hanging out, everyone, and I hope to see you next week. All right, bye-bye.